0: Realm Presents, Bullet Catcher, Season 1, Episode 5. One.
1: Blood gurgles in the gunslinger's throat, an awful wellspring that makes my own blood run cold. The undertakers, in dark suits and tall top hats, fight through the scrum of townsfolk clambering to rob the dead man of his good boots, his gun, his hat, They load the body into a wheelbarrow and cart it away. I drift to the boardwalk and sit. He had pointed right at me, but why? Damn the bullet catcher for ending him before he could finish what he needed to say. The gunslinger was beaten and the bullet catcher killed him in cold blood. There comes a point when all your heroes disappoint you. And this is the first time I look at the bullet catcher and think that I might not want to be like him after all. The bullet catcher comes over and sits beside me. He produces his sack of tobacco and pinches some into a strip of paper, licks it closed, and lights it. Drawing a lungful of smoke, he says, You're disturbed by what you saw today. A man's got a right to his last words. He said everything he had to say. He pointed at me. He looked at me so strangely. No, cub. It was only the light he saw. That same one we all see at the end. You just happened to have been standing in front of it. The mayor comes over, wiping sweat from his brow. His white shirt is stained under his arms. His collar is dark with sweat. (laughs) You, you, he stammers but can't get the words out, either for fear or anger. Say your piece, the bullet catcher says. You know what you did? The mayor says, after a few deep breaths. You've condemned us. How so, I say. Look around. The people are dying of thirst. I made a deal with those gunslingers for water. What do you think they'll do when they find out one of them got killed here? I gaze around the street. All traces of the gunslinger have been wiped away, save for the dark bloodstain drying in the sun. Dust spins in small devils down the dry lane. The paint has been blasted clean off the storefronts and signs. At the far end of the street, near the lawman's house, a water silo lies collapsed on its side, barren. The townsfolk huddle on the boardwalk in the narrow shade of the storefronts. Unlike the mayor, they are terribly thin. Your people are better off without that kind of help, the bullet catcher says, and flicks his cigarette into the street. Whatever the price, it was too high. The mayor stands before us, slack-jawed. Then he walks away, as if in a daze. When he's gone a few steps, he turns and says, Even if the price were our souls... At least we'd still have our lives. We watch him as he wobbles down the street and disappears into the saloon. Even the bullet catcher seems shaken by his words. He quickly rolls another cigarette and starts smoking. Now what? Now? Now we have two options before us. We press on toward the bruise, or we run. Run? We can't return to the mountain. Word will reach Bullet soon enough that we were here. He'll want revenge. He'll come looking for us. Who is he? Bullet, I mean. The bullet catcher inhales smoke and looks at me askance. He was just a boy when I first met him. He wanted to train as a bullet catcher. He showed promise great promise he was an undisciplined student and i was a hard teacher we were losing the war then and i was angry and i taught him to be angry too he falls silent then what then one day he was angry enough and strong enough that he left us but not before killing as many bullet catchers as he could He killed Nico. Yes, he killed him too. I don't want to run. I want him dead. The bullet catcher nods, looking grim. He stands and looks off at the horizon where the sun is beginning to lull in the sky. He shuts his eyes as though he doesn't want to see whatever lies out there beyond that line of the desert. It's three days' walk from here, the bullet catcher says. The desert that separates us from the bruise rolls in high, shifting dunes. The wind is hot and relentless. It will be a difficult journey. Then we better get started. As we walk out of Los Casadores, the people hunkered in the shade watch us go and spit. We bed down at the end of the second day. My muscles melt into the softness of the bedroll that never seemed so soft before. The heat coming off the bullet catcher pales the sun at midday. He's hardly said anything since Los Casadores. He almost seems like a different person than the man I've come to know. On the outside, he's as calm as ever, but I can tell he's angry. Sometimes he seems to hardly remember my presence, and I have to call for him to slow down, to not leave me behind. Because as strong as I've become, he's still that much stronger, that much faster. I think back to the gunslinger in Los Casadores and the line of handprints tattooed on his arm. I think of how calmly the bullet catcher had studied them. I have to remind myself that he is not a monk or a priest, he's a fighter a killer. Is it possible to truly know such a person? Would he accept someone knowing him? How many people have you killed? I don't know why I ask it, but I want to know. He sits near the fire, staring into it. Many people, he says. How many children The spell of the fire seems to give a little, and he looks at me. His eyes betray nothing. They hide his secrets, like a bandage covering a wound. Why do you want to know something like that? Don't have a reason. He pokes the fire with a stick, making the embers glow orange. Not so many, but some. More than some. I look determinedly at him. I want you to know, whatever you've done in the past, I have your back, no matter what. His eyes look suddenly heavy and tired. He lies back and closes his eyes. Get some sleep, cub. Tomorrow will come whether we're rested or not. I look up at the night sky. At this moment, the bullet catcher feels as distant to me as the stars. Over our time together, I've come to think of him as something more than just my teacher. I've come to think of him as family. But sometimes it seems like a mirage, real one moment, and the next, nothing more substantial than bands of heat rising from the desert, a trick of the eye. The fire dims and goes out. It's winter back on our mountain. I close my eyes and imagine the lake, the unbroken plain of ice water and the snow falling in curtains over the mountaintops. On the morning of the third day, we climb clumsily across the dunes, our boots sinking and sliding in the soft sand. Even the bullet catcher stumbles now and then. It's early and blazing hot already. But walking in the shadow of the bullet catcher, which seems somehow deeper and darker than ever before, provides a coolness. The bruise rises over the crest of dunes. Surrounding the town is a halo of deep violet flowers that seem to pulse in the heat, like blood rising to the surface of the earth. The bruise is bigger than sand and Los Casadores. It's a real town. It bustles with people and wagons and horses. Several water towers loom over the rooftops, quiet sentries. We stop and catch our breath. We pass the skin of water back and forth and take in the town. What waits for us down there? I ask, standing beside him atop the dune overlooking the bruise the man we've come to kill. But between him and us, a small army of gunslingers. We circle the town, stalking it. The bruise is a gunslinger town, the bullet catcher says. We cannot simply charge in and take our mark, nor can we post up in the saloon and wait for him. He is not like the man in those Casadores. The man in Los Casadores seemed to know what he was doing. Yes, he says. He was able. The stories his tattoos told were no lies, but he made for a large target. Bullet is far more dangerous. This is the closest I've been to him in many years. He hardly ever ventures so far from Las Pistolas. Las Pistolas? Las Pistolas is the gunslinger town. City, really. It's where they train new recruits. A thousand gunslingers call it home. So what do we do now? Now, we wait. Hours later, the lingering sunlight melts into darkness. The green mercury lamps flicker on, casting light across the halo of flowers, which sway in the swirling wind and throw ghastly shapes across the backs of the buildings. From town comes the sound of people closing up shop, making their ways home or to the saloons. We pass the hours in silence, watching as caravans stream in and out of town. The ones leaving town are made up of wagon after wagon laden with what looks like metal piping and guarded by gunslingers on horses. The ones coming back are empty. It's deep into the night when the bullet catcher stands suddenly, dusts the sand from his clothes and takes off toward town without a word. I get up and quickly follow. At the edge of the field of flowers, the bullet catcher stops. He looks at the flowers for a time. They are much larger than they seemed at a distance, the size of sunflowers. He leans down, brings one of the dark blooms close to his nose and breathes deep. He looks just like he did on those cold mountain mornings when running full bore along the path, he'd stop to linger over a newly blossomed flower. But these aren't anything like the flowers from home. There's something frightening about them. Frightening in as much as they exist at all with the blazing sun overhead and no sign of water. The bullet catcher stands and puts his hand on my shoulder. The look in his eyes is soft and pleading. I think it would be best if you waited here. Hide in the flowers, cub. Wait for me to return. Anger rises to my cheeks. I didn't come all this way not to make Bullet pay for what he did. I'm not your mule. I don't just carry the bags. He raises his hand to quiet me. I do not think that of you. It is my responsibility to train you, but also to protect you. I peer around him at the town. All of a sudden, in the grim shadows of flowers dancing on the walls, the green mercury light, the distant sounds of drunkards, the sound of the bully catcher's voice that could be mistaken for fatherly concern, I get the feeling that he's right that something terrible will happen tonight. But I think of Nico and chase the feeling away. I want to see the man who killed my brother, I say, staring back at him. I want to look into his eyes when he dies. You will not like what you see, he says without looking at me. And killing him will not bring you peace. But it'll bring you peace? When you get as old as I am, have lost as much as I've lost, peace is no longer an option. He takes a deep breath and turns to me. You are your own person and must do what you feel you must. But if you follow me, I will not be able to protect you. I look down at my boots. The flowers come up to my waist. These deep purple flowers are a promise of blood blooding. I'm going with you. He does nothing for a time, perhaps hoping I'll change my mind. But finally he turns and walks off toward the bruise, moving through the field of flowers silently without breaking a single stem. I follow him, exploding the petals like confetti.
0: Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Two.
1: Weaving through unlit alleys and the shadows at the edges of streets, we arrive in front of a small but swanky-looking hotel, Stone steps lead up to the glass doors. None of the windows are broken, and a pair of stone lions flanks the entrance. From inside drifts the sound of a honky-tonk piano and the wilted falsetto of a drunken chorus. Two broad-shouldered, strong-chinned men, crisscrossed with bandoliers, stand guard at the steps. The rest of the street is dark and empty. We stalk them from the alley across the street, crouching in the shadows, breathing through our noses, eavesdropping on their conversation. The bully catcher's eyes shine, excited, focused. A controlled energy radiates from his body. I hold my breath and stare at the two men, as if it will make their conversation clearer. He's as smart and affable as any person I've ever met boasts the one on the left with the angry looking scar across his forehead. my, My little one wants a dog too, but I think she's too young. Don't think she could look after one proper, the other one says. He's squat and square and in the moonlight looks like a chunk of uncut stone. Josephine, the blacksmith's daughter, her dog just had a litter. Sheep dogs, big and hardy. Those dogs don't need much looking after. They'll look after your girl, if anything. The first man thinks on that as he rolls and lights a cigarette and hands it to the other. Are these men gunslingers or fathers? I'd never considered that a person could be both. He'll be in there, the bullet catcher says. How can you tell? It's the nicest hotel in town and the hotel wouldn't employ its own guards to stand outside in the cold all night. So how do we get in? The bullet catcher scans the building. It's a stone and wood facade, with large windows facing the street, crisscrossed with a metal fire escape. On either side of the building, wide alleys proceed into shadow. Through the front door, he says. I want you to count to 10, and then you will go across the street to create a distraction for the guards. Then what? You'll see me before they do. When you do, hit the ground. Make yourself flat. The bullet catcher retreats into the alley, his words trailing after him, the tail of his coat flapping like a tattered cape. I start counting 10 bullets on a belt, 9 bullets on a belt, 8. The bullet catcher's going to kill these men. 7. The man on the left has a dog. 6. Is not saving the man with the dog the same as killing him? 5. If they die, the dog will go hungry. The other one has a daughter, probably a wife. 4. Hard to believe, but I've never thought about actually killing a person, not even Bullet. I always imagine the moment before I pull the trigger. Then my imagination skips to the end, the man dead in the dirt and me standing over him it seemed such a heroic pose. One. Pushing down my thoughts, I screw my face into what I hope is one of worry and skitter into the street. Help! I yell. Back at the orphanage, I shouted for help so often I was afraid of wearing it out. And Nico always came running, until he was gone. Help me, please! I run over to the two men and collapse onto the stone steps. What's the matter, darling? The man with the dog asks. He's concerned, actually concerned. I can tell. His eyes are big and kind at the sight of a frightened girl. It's my little brother. I was supposed to be watching him. I just turned my back for a moment, I swear. That's all right, sweetheart. You're working yourself up into a skinny little dust storm. This town ain't so big that your brother could have gone far. The other man, the one with the little girl, steps up to take a closer look at me. Mm, come to think of it, he says. This one does look awful familiar. You and your family passing through? He turns to his partner and says, we see any other kids run by here today? The man with a dog, with the long, angry scar running across his forehead and eyes that are big and kind doesn't have time to answer. The bullet catcher's arms rise from the shadows like death's scythe. I hit the ground, just like I was told. The bullet catcher grabs the man by the chin and shoulder and yanks in opposite directions. The man's eyes go wide, his neck pops, his body goes limp. The bullet catcher launches himself at the other man. I can only watch as he pins the man to the ground, his knees on his arms, and presses a hand over his mouth. The man screams into the bullet catcher's palm. With the elbow of his other arm, The bullet catcher presses down on the man's windpipe. Don't, I say as loud as I dare, and grab the bullet catcher by his coat. The bullet catcher looks up at me, and for a moment, I don't recognize him. His eyes are dark, his pupils so big they make his eyes look black. The man on the ground reaches to his belt. Suddenly there's a knife in his hand. The blade flashes green in the mercury light. He thrusts it at the bullet catcher but the bullet catcher is too fast. He intercepts the man's wrist and turns it awkwardly until it pops. I scramble for the knife and hold it to the man's throat. The bullet catcher's palm is over his mouth, keeping him from calling for help. You're beaten, the bullet catcher growls. Don't go making us have to kill you too. The man's eyes are fierce, but he gives a curt nod to show he gets it. Get his guns, cub. I do as I'm told, tucking one into my waistband and holding the other on the man as the bullet catcher gets off him. The bullet catcher picks up the dead gunslinger and throws him over his shoulder easily. The alley, he says, and I hold the gun to the man as he stands and walks helplessly into the alley beside the hotel. Once we're in the shadows, the bullet catcher lets down the dead man's body, takes the gun I'd given him and knocks the man out with a blow to the back of the head. The bullet catcher stands over the unconscious man and looks at me. Are you okay, cub? He asks. I look at the two men, one living, one dead. This is the largest role I've ever had in someone's death. A part of me wants to run away and vomit in the flowers, but I make my eyes leaden, and try to pretend it doesn't bother me. The bullet catcher knows better. He saw my hesitation, and now he sees my fear. We will speak later about what happened here, he says, when there is time. We strip the men's bandoliers and gun belts. In a gunslinger town, no one looks twice at a person carrying shooters it's when you don't have them that people notice. Then he hands me a bandana and tells me to wear it over my mouth. They'll think I'm there to rob the place. They'll think you just got in and didn't want your lungs full of sand from the ride. We climb the front steps and push through the glass doors. A lobby bar occupies the first floor. Men in tuxedos and women in sparkling gowns stand in groups, talking and laughing. The women's gloved hands hold delicate, stemmed glasses of the purest water I've ever seen. Mixed in are gunslingers, who seem to be forcing themselves to act civil and sip their snakebite. They're still dressed in lousy cotton shirts and jeans and leather, but it looks like they've gone so far as to wash their faces and pomade their hair. Who are these people? I whisper Northerners. Don't stare. We walk briskly through the lobby, past the bar, and up the carpeted staircase at the back of the room. Even if he's here, how will we know what room he's in? It'll be the biggest one, he says, without a shred of doubt in his voice. Likely on the top floor. At the top of the staircase, we are met by a single door. The brass plate affixed to the wall reads, Suite Number 1. The bullet catcher reaches into his coat and produces a roll of leather. Opening it, he reveals a set of delicate tools. I recognize them from books. They're lock picks. He picks one out, rolls the rest back up, and tucks it into his coat. It only takes a second. The door gives a soft click and eases open. The bullet catcher puts his finger to his lips and slides silently through the door and I follow, his silent shadow. The suite is one large room. The only light comes from the big windows. Moonlight reveals the edges of the furniture. Deep pools of darkness swallow everything else. Near the windows, on the far side of the room, is a huge bed with the outline of a man sleeping soundlessly. We cross the room without so much as a squeaky floorboard to give away our presence. We stop at the side of the bed, looking down at the man who killed my brother. He faces away from us. The bully catcher draws the knife he took from the guard, grabs Bullet's shoulder and turns him to face us. He draws the knife back, ready to plunge it into his chest. But the bully catcher stops suddenly. It's not a man at all but a woman lying in the bed. She startles awake as the bullet catcher grabs her. When she sees the knife, she holds up her hands and opens her mouth, but she's too frightened to scream. Don't move. The voice is deep and raspy and comes from behind us. Drop the knife and turn around slow. We do as he says. Bullet stands in the shadows invisible except for the gun in his hand, extended into the silver light from the moon. He says, Good to see you again, old friend. The bullet catcher says nothing. Carmen, Bullet says, If I were you, I'd take your money and go. You don't want to be here for this. The woman stands quickly, the blankets wrapped around her. The knife falls off the bed and clunks loudly on the floor. She grabs the money from the nightstand and darts out the door, trailing white sheets behind her. The door slams loudly, and then everything is again dark and silent. Who's this you've brought with you? A new protege? Just a townie. I promised him a couple coins if you showed me where her bullet was. Hmm. I know everyone in town, and I don't know you, he says turning his attention to me. It takes everything in me not to reach for my gun. But if he were that easy to kill, I know the bullet catcher would have done it a long time ago. So I bite my lip, hard enough to taste blood and don't make a move. How did you know we were coming? Roebuck sent a telegram, arrived yesterday. From the stairwell comes the clatter of boots approaching. Here comes the cavalry. In an instant, the bullet catcher grabs and spins me. I roll over the bed and drop on the other side. In the same movement, the bullet catcher dives for the knife and throws it like a dart into the shadow. There's the dull sound of bullet hitting the floor as he dives out of the way. The muzzle of the gun flashes orange. The window shatters. Then the bullet catcher's hands are on me. He pulls me to my feet. Holding me by the wrist, we jump through the window and we're out on the catwalk. The cold night air wakes me from my stupor. We can't, I scream. He was right there, now's our chance. But then the door bursts open and a posse of gunslingers pours into the room. Light from the hall cuts across my face, sharp and bright. The bullet catcher grabs me and pulls me after him up the stairs. Hurry, he yells. He climbs the metal catwalk and flips over the crenulated lip onto the roof. I gather myself quickly and follow him. Behind me, bullets ricochet off the metal stairs. I flip onto the roof and already I can hear the gunslinger's footsteps on the stairs behind us. Run! The bullet catcher yells, before sprinting to the edge of the roof and vaulting over the alley, landing and rolling on the far roof, a story below. Quickly, cub! I chased out from my mind, run as fast as I can, and leap. On the other side, The bullet catcher grabs me from the air and sets me down softly beside him. Then we're off again, jumping from roof to roof. A few brave gunslingers follow us for a while, but they can't keep up. Their gunshots ring through the night air, but soon we outrun those too. Near the edge of town, we jump onto a lower building. The bullet catcher slides down the angled eave and lands in the street. I slide after him. But as I see the ground coming up fast before me, I lose my nerve and grab the gutter wrapping around the roof as I slide past it. It comes away in my hand, and I tumble down through the air. But again, the bullet catcher is there when I need him. He catches me, sets me down, and pulls me inside. It takes a second for the adrenaline to stop pumping and for me to realize we're in the stables. Horses whinny and stamp their hooves at our presence. At the far end, tied to a post, are a group of horses already saddled. Their riders had probably just arrived and tied them up quickly to get in the first round of snake bite before returning to see the horses. The bullet catcher chooses an evil-looking black stallion with a diamond on his forehead, flared nostrils that look like smoke flues, teeth like the scorched metal of a furnace grate. The horse I choose is small and brown, with big, intelligent eyes. Her tail flicks back and forth. When I come close, she steps forward and presses her forehead against my hand. I feel as though she's been waiting for me. By the way, the bullet catcher frowns at my choice. I can tell there are faster horses in the stable, but there's no time for discussion. The bullet catcher swings himself over the saddle. I follow his lead, swinging clumsily onto my own saddle. The horse looks back at me as though double checking my work. First time, the bully catcher asks. I nod. Ride in rhythm with your horse or you'll hurt her back. Before I can ask him what he means, he flicks the reins and takes off, galloping through the open doors of the stable to the street. I do the same and my horse takes off. As I near the barn doors, Bullet's unmistakable silhouette appears. He raises his gun, but I'm already nearly on top of him, and he dives out of the way just in time. Gunslingers fill the street behind us, yelling and shooting their guns, but we're gone. For someone who has only ever gone as fast as a slow wagon train, the speed is terrifying. The horse bounces me up and down, and I can feel my pelvis and spine protesting with every painful bump. I shut my eyes and grab onto the horse's mane for dear life. The horse grunts with every bump. I'm hurting her as much as she's hurting me. The bandana comes loose from my face and flies away. Open your eyes, the bullet catcher yells. I force my eyes open. The bullet catcher has slowed to pull alongside me, screaming commands. Keep your eyes open, sit up in the saddle. I do as he says. The horse stops grunting so painfully. The bullet catcher speeds off in the lead. We cut a line through flowers, and as the bulbs explode, they leave dark purple stains on my horse's legs and belly. I turn to look over my shoulder in the direction of town. They're not chasing us. We've made it. Bullet lives, but we do too. There will be another day for revenge. I swear to you, Nico. The shot cracks the sky like lightning. I duck close to my horse and only look up in time to see the bullet catcher's horse collapse, throwing the bullet catcher into the flowers, where he disappears in the sea of purple. I ride to where I last saw him, but he's disappeared. Another shot rings out, and I can feel the air superheat as the bullet brushes past my cheek, inches away. The horse spooks, goes up on its hind legs, and throws me into the flowers. Are you hit, cub? The bullet catcher is there beside me, checking me over. No, I think I'm okay. Stay low. He peers over the tops of the flowers. I rise to get a look, but he pushes me down. I said stay low, cub. Catch your breath. What do you see? He's on horseback, edge of the flowers. A hundred yards. He's alone. What do we do? For now, we stay still. If he comes into the flowers, we might have a chance. Long minutes stretch out as we wait for Bullet to make his move. It's then that I notice a rotten smell, like bodies decomposing. I look down at the Bullet Catcher's horse. Its empty eyes stare straight ahead. It's the flowers, the Bullet Catcher says. They smell like dead bodies left out in the sun. They're known as the zombie flower, native to the north. The old warriors there used to paint their bodies with the dye derived from the petals. They'd trick their enemies into thinking they were fighting the dead risen back to life. Then the bullet catcher puts his hand on my shoulder and says, if I'm killed or if things look bad, I want you to run. You will keep your mind from revenge. You will not look back. I don't know if I like you enough to avenge you. I know you, Cub. You're sentimental. And he's right. I would kill Bullet in a heartbeat for what he's done already. If he killed the Bullet Catcher too, I'd have no choice. No matter that I've never killed anyone before no matter that even my part in killing the guard left me feeling nauseous and guilty. For the bullet catcher, it would be worth it. When I first ran after him, he was just a means of escaping my old life and a way of keeping Nico alive in my heart. But he's become more than that to me. He's family. I am sentimental like that, exactly. And I'm about to tell him as much, but I don't have the time. Bullet's voice comes startling out of the dark. Come out, old man. Let's finish this. The bullet catcher puts his hand on my shoulder and pushes me lower into the flowers. But I have to see what's happening, and I dare to peek anyway. There he is, on the far side of the field. Back in the hotel, the shadows and my fear made him seem huge, eight feet tall. But he's not that at all. He gives his horse a small kick and wades into the flowers. I still can't make out his features, but he's slim, tall, but certainly no giant of a man. The Bullet Catcher doesn't seem to breathe. I don't breathe either. I wish you wouldn't insist on playing games. Bullet's voice is amiable, but annoyed like a schoolboy scolding one of his schoolyard friends. There's a soft sound, as if a small breeze had passed over the field. And when I turn to where the bullet catcher was crouched a moment ago, he's gone, with just the indents of the toes of his boots left in the earth. I look back toward Bullet. His horse stands still. He's fallen silent and his gun is cocked and at the ready. There's a sudden disturbance in the flowers beside the horse. Bullet turns, but too late. The bullet catcher is a dark streak against the sky as he leaps. They fall in a heap into the flowers. Then I hear the fighting, the soft, wet sounds of fists spilling blood across knuckles and flowers, breath knocked from lungs, bodies tumbling across the ground. All I can see are flowers shaking with excitement until they pull apart and scramble to their feet. The bullet's back is to me as he draws his revolvers and fires. He empties both chambers, 12 shots in a second flat. They are so close to one another that the bullet catcher has no time to catch or bend the bullets, but he manages to dodge, reading the tornado of the gunslinger's moves. This is nothing like the duel in Los Casadores. Here, each man thinks only of killing the other. The shots come so close together they sound like cannon fire. I move closer, weaving around the tall green stalks, trying to not so much as bend them, lest I draw bullet's attention. Maybe I can sneak up behind him. Then it happens, the most unexpected of all things. The bullet catcher grunts, <coughs> spins half around, and falls. The bullet catcher told me that if he went down to turn tail and run, to not look back, But until now, I thought it impossible that anyone could shoot him. Bullet rises from his half-crouch, holsters one of his guns, and reloads the other slowly as he approaches the flattened bed of flowers where the bullet catcher lies. His back is still to me as he stops and looks down at the bullet catcher. He's saying something, but my ears are ringing from the gunfire. He spins the chamber of his revolver, flicks it closed, and aims. I'm running. Caution abandoned, I bolt full tilt through the flowers toward them. I draw my shooter. Bullet doesn't make any sign that he hears me. His ears must be ringing like mine. Just a few yards away, I stop and level my gun at the back of his head. I don't think about my guilt over the guard in town. I don't think about how I'll feel after killing this man. I think about Nico. I think about the bullet catcher. My ears burn. My eyes sting with salt. My nose is full of smoke. I chose him. He let me stay. Just because I came to him nearly grown, did that make me any less his? Him any less mine? In my mind, I hear the bullet catcher saying, run, keep your mind from revenge. Just then, bullet turns a fraction toward me. There's something in the shape of his nose and ear the arc of his eyebrow that i recognize but there's no time to think the gun goes off in my hand it doesn't make a sound but my hand tingles from the explosion bullet's head pitches forward and he grabs his cheek the blood pours between his clenched fingers but i've missed it was just a glancing hit My fingers fumble clumsily with my gun, opening the chamber and trying to find a bullet to reload. The gunslinger half turns and raises his gun at me. His face is squeezed into an expression of pain and anger. But when he sees me, his eye goes wide and his jaw slack. Emma? He says. I look up. The gun drops from my hand. Nico?
0: You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 1 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Lydia Shama. An executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Performed by Inez del Castillo. Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona.